Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Roadhouse International and Compass Group International, and welcome to another podcast or another episode of Retiring Thailand. Today's episode, I want to talk about health. It seems that health, or my last couple of podcasts about health and mindset, I was pretty popular, and I really got some great responses and emails uh, saying they want to hear or you want to hear more. So thank you so much, again, for all your support, and I'm always here to help you and best guide you in your ways to a successful retirement. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, what I talk about in these podcasts or those last episodes about mindset is a lot of people think of retirement of just saving money and strategically finding a place that they are going to be happy, place, destination, and then obviously the money's saved up, uh, they created a budget, they paid for a home, living expenses, so forth. So that's pretty much retirement 101, what most people think of a retirement. It's all about finances, which is partially true. But the thing is, is that retirement can be so much better if you're healthy. And when you're coming out here to a place like Thailand, it's also very important to have the proper mindset. And I really go into depth of talking about that. What I mean by mindset is being open. For example, coming here to Thailand, I talk about customs, what's considered rude. For an example, it may be okay in your Western country to come into someone's house with your shoes on or, or hug someone or peck them on the cheek like you see in Latin America or parts of Europe. But here in Asia, it's considered inappropriate and rude. And I really talk about that. And we all know you don't walk your shoes in the house with shoes in the house in Asian countries. And also a lot of Asian countries, you don't, it's considered inappropriate touching to touch someone that you really don't know, you don't have a relationship with, that's not your wife or your husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, and also public displays of affection. So I really go into depth about that. But today's podcast which has been a huge request from friends of mine because I say many times, you know, I'm not too far. I'm only a couple of years away from being 50 years old, not too far away. And I'm still in really good shape. I'm still in really good health, not just mentally, but also physically because I started working out at the age of 14 years old. And the reason why I started working out is because of my little brother. He started working out. So my dad bought us a home gym and he just started going at it. And my brother is just so much more genetically gifted than I am, not just the fact that he's smarter than I am, uh, but he's genetically more gifted. So he tacks on muscle fast. So here he is, you know, he's three years younger than me. He's putting on more muscle and he's getting this huge upper body. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I should, I really need to start working out before my brother gets stronger than me and starts kicking my butt. So... I started working out, and so 14 years old, uh, I went. Into, I was my freshman year in high school, uh, and I joined the football team, made a lot of new friends, and started working out. So I've never stopped. And a lot of people, or a lot of you listening to this, maybe you were athletes in high school and college, but then once you started a family, or you got married, started a family, got to corporate America, or wherever it may be. Working out seems to be non-existent because you're just not making a time for it because you're so busy with work and your family. But the thing is, is that 
I cannot stress how important it is right now, especially if you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s, if you want to have success in your retirement, what I mean being really happy, being able to travel and do stuff, you also need to be physically fit to do that. And as I stated in my, some of my last episodes, is I've seen individuals in their 40s and 50s uh, out here in Asia and also Latin America that are in horrible shape. And they can't really do anything because I see them being wheelchair, wheelchair bound in five to maybe 10 years. So again, is what's the point of saving all this money, finding the right place to live, just to not enjoy the environment you're in? As I tell most people, is that if you are extremely obese, uh, Asia is not the place for you because there's not a lot of wheelchair access around here. It's better for you to stay in your Western country and maybe go into a future nursing home. It is very difficult. I'm being very, very serious about that. I'm not making fun of anyone. You know, what you make in your life choices, it's your own decision. It's not right or wrong. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help you make a better decision. Should you retire in a second world country, a lot of handicap access or accessibility is almost nil to non-existent. So here are some things that I really suggest. I've been a certified personal trainer since I was in college uh, through the newest big brands from ISSA to ACE uh, and, then, and then now with NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine. And I do that uh, just for fun. Uh, health and fitness is my passion. And my wife and I are very, very active. So I want to give some tips to everyone of what you can do now to prepare yourself to be more physically fit when you're ready to retire 5, 10, maybe 15 years from now. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be in your 30s right now thinking about retirement 10 years from now. Or you could be right now in your 50s and 60s thinking about retirement next year. But all you really need is about six months to a year to really see significant changes. So the first thing is, is national stats. And I'm giving American stats is because majority of my listeners, actually half of my listeners are coming from the United States. It's now something crazy like 70 to 75% of Americans are considered overweight. And as far as obesity goes, it's like 50%. It's really high and it's climbing. And the reason why is because of a sedentary lifestyle and also our nutrition. As we all know, it's cheaper to get a double cheeseburger than to get a salad. Uh, it's because of convenience. And uh, there's a lot of processed foods. So here's one, or here are a few suggestions that will help you incorporate health and fitness into your lifestyle without making it feel like a job, without taking a lot of your time, and without a lot of sacrifices. So let me get a quick background on myself. My wife and I are foodies, and we love to eat. If any of you uh, follow us on Instagram or on Facebook or, or on YouTube, you will see we love to eat, but we stay. My wife is uh, very thin, uh, but she also plays badminton. She walks. She goes to the gym with me. And then I go to the gym uh, between anywhere between three to maybe about four times a week. But the thing is, is that I'm also naturally lazy. 
Like, I like to sit around and do nothing. I don't know about you. I like to sit around and do nothing. Like, I could sit there and veg in a beach and just do nothing the whole day. Just sit there with my book, read. Or my wife and I love on weekends is just to watch Hulu, Netflix, HBO, so forth, because we use a VPN service here. So we're able to stream those services. But the thing is, is that I'm naturally lazy. Like, I'm not a really super active person. Like, my mom, she's super active. My mom is, like, in her 70s. And that woman, man, she's, like, like a little chihuahua. Like, she's tons of energy. I'm just not one of those people. My wife isn't either. We like to sit and relax. So working out to me uh, cannot be a job. If when it comes to, when it feels like a job to me, I just stop. And when it feels like it's getting too hard, I will stop. I'm like you. I'm no different than a lot of you listening to this. 80% of or 90% of you listening to this, I am like you. I'm not that, that weird 1% or that 5%. I have my friends. They're not weird. They're just a whole nother level. Like I have a friend of mine um, that's in his early 40s and he maintains 365 days a year, single digit body fat. The guy looks like he's walking off of like Men's Health Magazine, but he diets, which I'm not willing to do. And he works out every single day, sometimes two a days, which I'm not willing to do. But the thing is, is that I maintain a low um, double digit body fat. So I maintain anywhere, depending on the time of the year, anywhere from about 16 to about 11 to 10% body fat. And when you're at 11 to 10% body fat, you can still see a six pack. So the thing is, is that I'm lazy. So I don't want to work hard. So that's why I think that these suggestions are going to help you. And that's why I'm able to maintain my somewhat decent physique, uh, you know, at this age. And I feel that I'm going to get better and better shape as I get older and older and have more time, especially where we're fully retired, not semi-retired. So the first thing is, is nutrition. I want to talk about that first, because for those of you who don't want to work out, nutrition, even if you just change your nutrition, you will lose weight. So the thing is, is that it is way too easy to go through a drive-thru and get the fries and burgers and fried chicken and all that stuff. It's too easy to do that. So one of the ways that you can combat or kind of refrain from doing that is, it's called intermittent fasting. And you will see reports on and off saying that uh, this group that we tested showing that intermittent fasting really didn't do anything. And this other group we tested so that intermittent fasting works. Let me tell you, it works because the bottom line is it's calories in and calories out. Intermittent fasting, just you're just basically eliminating one meal. That's one whole meal, which is your breakfast. I don't know about you, but the majority of people that I've talked to feel the same. I have more energy in the morning. Let me just back up. I don't agree with the phrase, breakfast is your most important meal. I completely do not agree with that. Because I know my body very, very well. And my friends who have intermittent fasting also feel the same. And they're quite shocked at the amount of energy they have which is by skipping breakfast, we seem to have more clarity and more energy as opposed to eating breakfast. So if you don't believe me, try it out for a little bit. 
you know, you wake up in the morning, you do your routine, get ready for work, and then you have cereal or you have oatmeal or you have bacon eggs, whatever it may be. Then when you get to your office, how do you feel? You feel a little sluggish. And I've noticed that because I've actually tested. I, I'm like a, I like to test different types of workouts in my body and different diets. And of all the diets, I've tried the South Beach diet. I've tried a low-carb diet. I've tried a high-carb diet. There's actually isn't such a thing as a high-carb diet, um, which is slow carbs. I've tried them all. Even tried an attempt to become vegan. None of that stuff worked because it, I couldn't sustain that type of diet because I'm a foodie. So by intermittent fasting, by eliminating and not eating breakfast, number one, I had more energy. Number two, I did not feel sluggish at all. No crash, nothing. So what did I do? I wake up in the morning, do my thing, and then I will have my coffee. That's it. I am fine until I eat at 12 or 1 o'clock. So again, it's, it's all about calories in and calories out. Then you have a sensible lunch and a sensible dinner, and that's it. Just by eliminating that one meal, you will lose weight. Just you got to give it time. You have to give it time. You got to give it six months. It's not two months. It's not one month, two months, three months. It's six months for all of this stuff to really, really notice significant changes in your body. The biggest loser, if you really Google biggest loser a scam, you will find more and more that biggest loser is a complete scam in the sense of it's not real. You don't know what's happening in the background. So when these people are attacking, you know, losing 50 to hundreds of pounds, it's not real. They have cooked meals. They're doing two-a-days. It's just not realistic. So we have to be realistic, and I want you to be realistic. So intermittent fasting work. I'm not going to go through the whole details of intermittent fasting. You've probably read all about it. You've seen the articles. Maybe you haven't read about it, but you've seen the articles. Simply Google it. It'll give you all the information about intermittent fasting, and it does work. The next thing is when to stop eating. It's very, very strange, especially if you live in Europe, to eat early. Like Europeans, as we all know, for those who are European or have been to Europe, people don't really eat dinner until like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. It's crazy, but they're still thin. And part of that is also genetics. Part of that is because they also walk a lot and also they don't eat large portions. And they also have more... Um, the foods they cook is not as processed as American foods. So the thing is, is that if you want to lose weight, eat dinner early. Eat dinner like at 5 or 6 o'clock. After dinner, stop. I literally stop eating like around, I would say about 6.30 or 7 o'clock. So let's just make it easy to say 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock is the last time I put anything in my mouth. Whether it's dinner and then maybe a little popcorn afterwards, which I'm going to talk a lot about popcorn. It's like a secret to weight loss. So I stop eating at 7 o'clock, and then I do not eat until about 12 o'clock the next day because of intermittent fasting. It's also intermittent fasting, when you read, it's also good for your stomach. It's good for your stomach, your digestive system, just to kind of take a rest from all the garbage that we're putting into our bodies. So eat early and try to stop eating at 7. Then the next thing is, 
is that we have this craving throughout the day of eating junk food, grabbing some chips, grabbing whatever it may be, even like, oh, you know what? There's a McDonald's downstairs. I'm going to go get a small fries, just a little snack. Here's a trick that really, really works. Go to Costco or Walmart, wherever it may be, and buy a lot, like a crap load of sugarless gum. Put it everywhere. Put one in your car. Put it in your office. Put it in your bedroom. Put it in the living room, the family room. Put it everywhere that you are at. Put a pack of gum. Anytime you're hungry and and you feel like, oh my God, okay, I've already had my lunch. I'm really craving a double-double from In-N-Out Burger. You know what you do? Pop a stick of gum in your mouth. Within 10 to 15 minutes, that craving is gone. It really, really works. Gum, chewing gum, and a lot of nutritionists would tell you this. Chewing gum is like a fantastic hack, fantastic secret for getting those, get rid of those cravings. So put gum everywhere and start chewing gum. Anytime you feel like it's a snack attack and you want to put more empty calories into your body, like pretzels and chips and all this other stuff, start chewing gum. Start chewing a lot of it. Make sure it's sugar, sugar-free gum. Then, the last thing is, is portion control. You know, you go to Cheesecake Factory, Claim Jumper, you go anywhere. It's like, you, you look at American-sized portions, it's like insane. Like, a, like an Asian person that comes to America, like my wife, when she came to the state, she's like, oh my God. You know, the very first thing, the very first place we went to, is I love barbecued ribs, is we went to a barbecue place. And I ordered her a half rack, and I ordered half rack dinner with two sides, and I ordered myself the same exact thing. So her sides were uh, fries and uh, some beans and then Texas toast. So our portions come out. She's like, and she just got off the plane. And there's a barbecue restaurant, really well-known barbecue restaurant not too far from the airport. She's like, oh my God. She's like, this is enough food for like two Thai people. I said, exactly. That's why Americans are so fat. She's like, I can see why. So here's the thing. Go to your kitchen. Get rid of all your big plates. All your big plates. Get rid of all of them. And your bowls. And replace them. Go to Amazon. Go to the dollar store, go to Walmart and replace them with smaller plates and smaller bowls. And also get smaller spoons and smaller forks. Just by baby sizing your utensils and your flatware, you're going to put less food on your plate. It really, really works. Just getting small plates. Because the funny thing is, is that, so the first time, and again, when my wife was in the States, we go to Costco. So she's just blown away. She's like, oh my God, this place is insane. They have freaking everything here. Then we go to the meat. And, she, and because red meat is so expensive in Asia, it's really, really expensive. And she's like, look at the steak. She's like, oh my God. She's like, look at these things. She's like, that one steak. She's like, can you eat that one steak? I'm like, easily. 
I'm like, any American can eat one of those big uh, bone-in ribeye steaks. She's like, that's like enough for like four Thai people. I said, yeah, in the States, that's just for one person. She's like, really? Oh. So here's the thing, is that now when I do buy steaks, like those packs of like three to four steaks, I, you know, I cut them in half now, especially the New York strip steaks. I cut them in half so they could fit in my little plate. So by changing these things, these suggestions, you're going to peel off the weight. And you'll notice some, you'll definitely notice differences in six months. And you don't have to set foot in a gym at all. Now the next thing is you don't have to, you don't have to sacrifice. That means is you don't have to become a vegan or a vegetarian, get rid of all, just eat less of it. That's all I'm asking. Just eat less of it. You can still have your ribeye steak, but instead of having that 16 ounce ribeye steak, cut it in half or even cut it into a thirds. I don't eat as much ribeyes anymore because it is my favorite it is my favorite cut of meat like I'll only save it maybe I'll eat it maybe a couple of times a month maybe once or twice a month as opposed to like every week I get a ribeye steak because ribeyes are very very high in fat so now I eat a little bit more lean meats I don't want to buy filet mignon because it's overpriced and it's just bland steak to me any any Michelin rated chef would tell you that filet mignon is a is an overpriced uh, overvalued steak that there are so many better cuts of meat out there so I started eating New York strip steaks. I started buying them and I cut them in half. Or I will get a USDA prime sirloin steak. The sirloins can be very tough and kind of stringy, but if you go to Costco or somewhere and get USDA prime sirloin, you see the nice fat marbling and sirloin is still very lean. I just and I cut them in half or they come in like these little medallions, almost a size of filet mignon. And it's very good for portion control, too. And the other thing, too, is I eat a lot of lamb. Lamb is also still grass-fed and very healthy for you. It's a a nice lean cut cut of meat. So the thing is, is that you can still have your ribeyes. Just don't have it all the time and replace it and substitute with something else. Like I'm substituting my ribeye steaks with sirloin and New York strip steaks. And the same goes with like as an Asian, going on going a low carb diet is literally like stabbing myself, you know, stabbing myself in the stomach because it's so hard to do. I mean, if you're Asian listening to this or you come from a country that you eat a lot of high carbs, it's hard, isn't it? To eliminate rice or noodles, you know, like pastas. It's very difficult. So there are ways around that. I don't eliminate rice. I don't eliminate noodles. I just eat less of it. That's it. So like now, because I'm so used to the Thai portions, when I'm in the States, my wife and I are in the States, like for example, I go into a pho. I like pho. And I'm sure most of you listening to this probably like pho too. But American-sized pho is like truly enough for two people. It's freaking humongous. So my wife and I, we go to a Vietnamese restaurant. We order pho. We only order one bowl have two small bowls, and we split in half. So I can still have my noodles. Same exact thing if I go to a Taiwanese um, noodle house and I want to get the, the, uh, the house special, which is a Taiwanese beef noodle soup. We don't each get one. We just get one and we split it in half. And the same goes with rice. Instead of having a bowl of rice, have half a bowl of rice. 
And I've actually trained myself over time by doing that is I do tend to eat less and less rice now by doing that. And by having smaller bowls, it really does help out too. So again, don't sacrifice. If you like your ice creams and stuff, find a different substitute that is not so high in sugar and just eat less of it. It's all about eating less. You know, if you're not familiar with what a um, blue zone is, Google blue zone. So blue zones are certain parts or locations on this planet where they have blue zones have the highest concentration of centurions. These are individuals that live over 100 years old. And the highest concentration is in Okinawa, Japan. Actually, Japanese in general live to a very, very ripe old age, easily past 100. My, my grandmother is 96 years old. She still swims every day. She's a little tiny little Japanese lady. Still freaking fit. She's freaking awesome. My mom, she's in her 70s. And she freaking walks, exercises. She, and she does everything. My mom's really good shape. When she goes to the gym, uh, she's at the gym probably two to three hours. Half of this probably socializing with her friends, but she's still doing stuff. She's still very active. Asians are very, very active. So one of the secrets to this blue zones is when, the, when these authors go out there and research these areas and find out what the secret of longevity is. One of the main secrets is just simple balance. Don't eat. The Okinawans believe is don't eat until like you have a food coma. You know, you got the little food baby pup in your stomach, you know, coming out of like freaking claim jumper. Don't do that. Okinawans believe you should only eat to 80% full. You can still eat whatever you want, but eat only to 80% full. So I think it's all about balance. Like for an example, when I go to, uh, when I'm in the States and I go to In-N-Out Burger, which by far is the best freaking burger in, in America and the best value. I no longer get a double-double. I just get a cheeseburger. And my wife and I, I don't get my own fries. My wife and I split from fries. And uh, that's what we do now. I can still have the taste of the fries and the burger without going overboard. Because in the past, it was double-double, my own fries, and maybe a shake or an iced tea. I'm not big on sodas. My wife, uh, she's just, she's Thai. So double-double is like, that's, that's enough for two people. She's like, there's no way I can finish double-double. So, and again, it's all about balance. You can still taste it, but you just don't have to overdo it. Okay. Now let's talk about fitness. How can you get fit without making it feel like a freaking job? And that's always hard. So the first thing I, I want to mention to everyone when you talk about the best investments, when I, when I ask, I'm going to ask you right now about anything. And this, is, and this is a very general question I'm asking you. Off the top of your head, what do you think are some of your best investments? Right now, you're thinking about, oh, okay, my equities portfolio, my real estate, my business, this and that. You're thinking about finance, right? <coughs> Excuse me. But the thing is, is that I've learned to change my mindset with a term when I think about investments. Investments isn't necessarily just about finances. It's also investing by yourself. 
And Warren Buffett, I, I love to quote Warren Buffett and also Bill Gates because, I, because these are very intelligent individuals. Excuse me one second. Let me just take a sip of my tea here. And they definitely know what they're talking about. They always say is that one of the best investments is to invest in yourself. Tony Robbins says the same thing. He's also a big hero of mine. I, I really like um, his books and I've been to his seminars and so forth. You have to invest in yourself. And investing yourself is not just casual reading, reading out books on how to uh, you know, have a better mindset, but it's investing yourself on things that's going to make you better. Like going to a Tony Robbins seminar, going to some kind of seminar that's going to empower you, or buying things that's going to make you better. So the reason why I brought this up is fitness for a lot of individuals, especially for those that aren't gym rats like me, it can be very, very intimidating. That's one of the reasons why my dad hates the gym. He's like, there's, he's like, these gyms are so freaking huge. I don't know what to do. And, you know, I'm just, one of, you know, I just have, I just have one of those relationships with my dad. It's very hard to teach a parent. So I just bought him some personal training, which is this next subject I'm coming into. One of the best investments that you can do for yourself is to invest in one or even five personal training sessions, one to five at least. The reason why I say this is you're investing yourself. And these are professionals that know what they're doing. And they're going to help guide you through exercises and gym and give you some, give you a nice foundation of health and fitness because that's what everyone needs. And even if you're that person like, okay, well, uh, I'm only want to go to a gym to meet a personal trainer, but I don't want to go to gym. I want to work out at home. Same exact thing. You can tell that personal trainer, okay, I've hired you for three sessions, but I want you to teach me exercises and a workout that I can do at home. I don't want to come to the gym. I'm only here to see you. And personal trainers can certainly accommodate you. It's so important. Having, going to a training session is like going to school. You know, think about the past. Think about the first time that you learned how to use Windows or learned how to use the Mac OS. Uh, you had, maybe you went to class, you went to online class. Or think of the first time, the first time I learned how to use Excel. I took like a one-day class. It was super freaking boring, but I took a one-day class on Excel. It's the same exact thing. You need to have a foundation. And so many of you and so many people, when I, when I go to the gym, I see so many people sometimes, yes, it's great. I applaud them for coming to the gym, but so many of them are hurting themselves by not doing the exercises correctly. They're making unnecessary movements. They're doing unnecessary things that over time can actually hurt them more uh, by, um, by creating an injury down the road and put them out of commission. So it, uh, it behooves you. It's a, it's a fantastic investment 
to just have one to five personal training sessions. And the thing is, not all personal trainers are good. Just like not all doctors are good. Not all teachers are good. So you may have to ask around. You may have to get recommendations. And never be afraid to fire a personal trainer. Same with a doctor. You go to a doctor and you don't like this doctor, what do you do? You go to another one. You just stick to the same doctor. But here, I'm going to give you some keys on how to find a good trainer and a bad trainer. The first thing is, is that if you are a beginner, you've never been to the gym, go to a trainer that trains individuals. For an example, watch them in a gym. Like, I am shocked. And again, I've been training since I was 14 years old. And I am shocked when I see personal trainers, especially that are training people that are not athletically inclined, or should I say, like, almost like have zero athletic ability and look like they've never set foot in a gym. And they can be in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And here they are. They are putting them through exercises that I would even do myself. It's insane. And, the, and, these, and these trainers are only doing that because they just kind of want to show off. They want to make it difficult. A great trainer understands you, and especially, it's, it's like they, you have to go through an interview process. If you walk in to a gym and you sit down with a personal trainer and they just look at you and they say, okay, let's start working out. Like, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Because they have no idea who you are. They have no idea what your medical background, what your athletic background, whether you have one or not. So a great personal trainer is they're going to spend 10, 15, 30 minutes doing an assessment, getting to know who you are. So, Jane, Joe, tell me a little bit about your background what type of job do you have? How long do you sit in the office all day or on your feet all day? What type of shoes do you wear? Um, what's your schedule like? What type of background do you have in, in sports? Have you ever played sports in the past? Do you have any injuries? Do you have any sports injuries? Have you blown out an ACL? Do you have bad shoulders? Do you have a bad back? Do you, have you had hernia surgery before? Uh, tell me about the type of medications you're taking. These are things that's very, very important for them to know. And they should be asking you these questions. If they're not asking you these questions, they are a bad personal trainer. Drop them right away. Because everybody is different. And it's crazy. I remember one time I was at a gym and I'm looking at this trainer. And I, 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 he, she's training two women that are probably in my age, late 40s, early 50s. And they're doing like these complicated plyo push-ups and BOSU ball, that balance ball, like uh, body squats. And I'm watching them and, and I'm like, oh my God, even I myself can tell these people have, have never been in a gym before. It's like, just teach them how to do a proper body weight push-up. That's number one, not plyo push-ups. And number two, teach them how to do a proper body weight squat. So the thing is, is that I always prefer, depending on your age, is you should match with a personal trainer that's closest to your age and closest to what you want to look like. 
I mean, that's very, very simple. If you're in your 40s and you're male and you see another personal trainer that's in his his 40s and that's male and it's good shape and you want to look like that, that's a person you should pair up with. If you're a person in your 70s and you pair up with someone in their 20s, they're really not going to know what your, what your body has gone through. They're really not. And the problem is, is you should always ask, just like with a doctor, you should ask a personal trainer before you get started, how many years have you been certified? How many years have you been training clients? If they say it's only been a couple of years, I would almost say drop them. Because the biggest mistakes a lot of personal trainers do is they think that I am going to make my client have the hardest workout where they're going to throw up at the end of my session. That's a good workout session. That's wrong. I can tell you right now, that is wrong. If you work out to a point where you are nauseous and you have to throw up, that's not, that's not a good training session. It is in some aspects of some different sports, but for just regular people like you and me, no, that's wrong. That's how you deter people from never coming back to the gym. Some of you listening to this, Maybe you've actually had that happen to you. You had the wrong personal trainer. They put you through exercise where you felt nauseous the very next or that day. Or, and the next day, every single body part was freaking hurting. And you couldn't even get out of bed. Your back is hurting. Your knees are hurting. Every single joint is hurting. And you're like, uh-uh, I'm done. And again, that's why you never go back to the gym. That's why you don't work out again. So the thing is, is that number one is you have to be straightforward with your personal trainer. Find a great personal trainer that's around your age that looks like you. And that should be a, a very, very simple trainer 101. Next thing is, make sure they take you through assessment. And be very, very forward with them. Say, hey, listen, this is, almost, this is, hum, this is my, what my life is. And they're going to get that through the personal session, uh, uh, personal um I, I have a complete brain fart right now. Uh, they're going to go through that during the interview process with you, doing your assessment of what your lifestyle is like. So you're going you're to be able to tell them, okay, I only have 20 minutes of workout every day or three times a week. And, during, and I only have Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays to work out. So then you get all that through assessment. You have to tell them as much information because if you keep stuff a secret, they're not going to know. And then you have to tell them, Okay, I'm only going to be at the gym maybe for a month and I'm going to cancel my membership and I want to work out at home. Be upfront and tell them that. And they'll give you suggestions on not just what gym equipment to get, types of dumbbells or kettlebells or little equipments, you know, from TRX to, um, to exercise bands and maybe equipments like bikes or a rowing machine. They can give you those suggestions to create your own home gym. But the thing is, is I can't stress enough, personal trainer, should be your number one goal. Even for those that haven't been to the gym in a while and you're like, okay, well, I was a total stud 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I don't need it. I don't need it. Things have really changed in exercise sports science. I highly recommend you still do it. And it's and it's nice to have that motivation of someone pushing you too. And someone that you have to be that's that you that's accounting or you're now accountable because you have someone that's pushing you. And you have to schedule these appointments with them so it's forcing you to go. That's also a great thing about having a personal trainer. They're forcing you to do that. Then here's another great thing too. 
if you don't want to go to the gym, during the pandemic, there's a huge rise in online personal trainers. And they're even cheaper because they're training you online. And you can find them in the same exact thing. They should be taking you through assessment. Uh, so same process, but you're just doing it online. So find them. And I highly recommend at least one to five personal training sessions. And if you can, you can afford it, continue with a personal trainer because it, it really makes a difference if you want to get down to the best shape in your life. Now, the next thing is when it comes down to exercise, for those of you that says, no, I don't want a personal trainer. I was going to exercise at home. I actually exercise at home quite a bit. So I, what I mean by that is it's like my home in the States, I have uh, my own home gym. And then also in, and here in Thailand, all of my buildings have a fantastic and, and excellent uh, gym. But we don't have a lot of equipment like you see like in typical big franchises. But we have enough of everything. So the thing is, is that exercise can be fun and it can be like work. One way of making it fun is cutting down a duration of your workout time. Like my dad, he's like, my dad's a little bit overweight. He's like, I don't want to go to the gym. He's like, plus I don't want to work out for an hour. I'm like, dad, you don't have to work out for an hour. You can work out two to three times a week for 15 to 20 minutes and you're still going to lose weight and be in better shape. He's like, that's not enough time. I said, yes, it is. Trust me, it is. So science has proven over the last decade that higher intensity and shorter duration workouts is actually just as beneficial as these long workouts. So if I'm doing a 15-minute high-intensity interval bodyweight training exercise or interval exercises like HIIT or Tabata, that 15 minutes is the equivalent. I will burn the same amount of calories, actually maybe even a little bit more, than doing moderate to slow-paced exercise for an hour. So get in, get out. So the one thing I recommend, if you don't want to go to the gym, there are really three pieces of exercise equipment that would be beneficial. Number one, kettlebell. I love kettlebells. Just get one. If you're a guy, a good, a good kettlebell would be around 30 to 55 pounds or even 60 pounds. If, and if you're a woman, obviously uh, between maybe 10 to maybe 30 pounds. All you really need is one. And if you want to get two, that's even better. The next thing is dumbbells. Dumb, you probably ask yourself, well, what, if I have kettlebells, why do I need dumbbells? Because dumbbells are freaking fantastic. Kettlebells are great, but really just for a couple of things. Where dumbbells are great for a lot more things. My dumbbells are actually even lighter weights. Because as I got older, because when I was really young, I don't know about you, but I pushed myself really hard. I got injured all the time, pushing heavy weights. I mean, you know, here's someone, you know, 160 pounds at that time, 160 pounds, and I, and I can do sets of bench of 275 to 315, uh, squat, deadlift, and heavy weights. Uh, I, I mean, I can really push a lot of weight. And by doing so, 
I'm always pulling something. So what I decided is I'm going to cut down on my weights, but increase my intensity with lower weights and higher volume. And you could do the same exact thing with dumbbells. Dumbbells, what I did was I just bought, my wife uses them too, is a set of four or set of three where they have like one pound, two pound, three pound. So for my wife, I bought her one pound, three pound, five pounds. And then for myself, I have uh, five pounds, let's say five pounds, seven pounds, and 10 pounds. And I use those dumbbells a lot. I mean, a lot for my shoulder exercises, like instead of doing like lateral raises, uh, you know, sets of five to 10 reps, I'm doing reps now between 20 to even 50 reps. So kettlebells, dumbbells. And then the third thing is, if you can do it, the TRX system, suspension training. And you don't have to get TRX. You can just get some generic one that's just as good. You can pick them up on Amazon for like 30 bucks. Uh, you can pick up generic ones in Walmart for like 30, 40 bucks. The great thing about suspension training is that it takes up very little room. And in your house, all you need is that little uh, hook and you can screw in the hook somewhere in one of your rooms and make sure it's obviously uh, going to be stable. And then you attach this and they attach a suspension training. It can do a ridiculous amount of body weight exercises. Those are really the only three things that you need and take up very, very little space. Then when it comes down to machines, if you have a little bit more room or dedicated room and you want a machine, there are three machines that I love. Number one, I love the treadmill. I absolutely love the treadmill. I love to run. I hated running when I was a kid, but treadmills are great because you can just do a slow pace walk for like an hour and watch TV or you can do a high intensity interval run. Love the treadmill. Number two, one of the best pieces of equipment and you see in a lot of like uh, CrossFit gyms is the Schwinn Airdyne bike. And you don't have to get Schwinn. There are other versions of these type of air bikes. So I don't know if you know, uh, like basically it's a bike. Imagine like a, just a, a stationary bike and it has two handles and you see this big fan in front. That is truly one of the best full body exercises out there. My, I got my parents one. My dad loves the airdyne. He's like, this thing's freaking great. Works the whole body. You can do it as hard. You can do it as easy. It can be as hard or as easy as you want to be. It's a Schwinn Aerodyne. Then the third thing is, I'm not big on elliptical machines. I, I'm not big at it at all because they're such low impact. I'm just not big at it at all. But the elliptical machine that I do like is the Bowflex. The Bowflex, uh, it's compact, it's small, and it has the handles. It does a better job, but I do not recommend. If you're going to, if you have to get one of those, get the Bowflex. But the third machine that I highly recommend is a roller. And again, the idea is you want to have equipment that's going to work your full body. And I'm gonna get to that in just a minute. A lot of people, at the gym especially, when you see people working out. They're just working out one body part. Like you see in the gym all the time. They're just working out their abs or just working out their arms. 
They never work their legs. They never worked anything else. They're just doing the same exercises all the time. If you truly want to burn fat and make yourself healthier, science has proven that you need to do full body exercises. Kettlebell training, kettlebell swings, just Google it. That's one of the best full body. If you could just do one exercise, if I could do one exercise, only one exercise, and I can't do any more exercises, it would be the kettlebell swing. It works everything, your legs, your abs, your shoulders, your back, everything. Kettlebell swings, full body exercise. Or thrusters with a dumbbell. It's like a squat and you're thrusting up some dumbbells over your head, like doing a press. You can Google that too. But the rower, just like the aerodyne machine, is a full body workout. And it can be as low impact as you want it, and it can be as high impact if you want it. And it doesn't take a lot of room. A lot of these rowers can actually, uh, they fold up. And they're getting cheap. They're like, I've seen them for like 200 bucks. So again, best three machines, rower, Schwinn Airdyne, and a treadmill. And if you have to get an elliptical, get the Bowflex. Then the very next thing is, is that types of workouts. Is that I actually like to work out the same or one body part per exercise, uh, per day. Like for example, I, like, and again, I'm a lazy guy, so I, I don't like to do like all these different moves. So for an example, take uh, today. Today is, is Tuesday. I'm going to go to the gym or, or go to my building downstairs, go to the gym. And, I, and I'm just going to do one exercise. I'm going to do 10 sets of 20. That's 100. My goal is to get to 100. Okay. And I'm going to do it as fast as possible. And I'm going to do thrusters. That's a full body workout. So basically, I'm just going to take 20 or 30 pound dumbbells on each hand. And I'm going to squat. And as I come up, I'm going to thrust the dumbbells over my head. That's a full body workout. And it's extremely difficult. You see them doing CrossFit. Google it. It's one of the best full body workouts you can do. Aside from kettlebells. I am just going to do 10 sets of 20. I'm sorry, that's actually 200 reps. 10 sets of 20. As fast as I can. After that, I'm done. That's it. That workout will probably take me about 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes if, if, I, if, I, if I have to rest a little bit more. That's it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do squats, five sets of five. Then after you're done with that, you're going to do some deadlifts. And after that, you're going to go bench press. And after that, you're going to do some curls. And after you curls, you're going to do some dips. And after you do dips, you're going to do some ab exercise. And after you're done with the ab exercise, you're going to treadmill for 20 minutes. And now you worked out for an hour and a half. You don't have to do that. That's actually how you get injured. That's how a lot of people get injured, especially if you're a beginner or, or getting back into it. Just pick one exercise. Working out does not have to be complicated. And the problem is, is that people make it too complicated. Please do not pick up like muscle, muscle, muscle and fitness or Iron Man magazine or whatever those big, huge, like you see those big, huge beasts. And you look at their workouts. And you're like, oh my God, they're doing like seven to eight to even 10 different exercises and are supersetting them. 
If you don't know what that is, it's doing one exercise and skipping right to, and then doing after that exercise, you're doing another one. You're like, I can't do that. I can't even do that because it's just too much. And again, these these individuals, it's their job. They're doing two a days. They're taking a lot of growth hormone. They're taking a lot of steroids so they can recover faster. But you and me, we're just regular people. We don't need to do that. We just want to get in good shape. We just want to be thinner so we can, when we retire, we can walk around everywhere. We can travel. We can go to Angkor Wat, check out the ruins. And after that, you know, maybe go down to Phuket and, uh, you know, chill at the beach or run at the beach or go to Hua Hin and, and learn how to do kite surfing. That's what I'm preparing you for. So even if you don't want to do full body exercises, all you do is pick one, do 10 sets of 20 or 10 sets of 10. Get to 100 or get to 200 and do them as fast as you can. Here's a lazy workout that I, that I do frequently. I'm not always doing full body exercises. There are times when I'm just freaking lazy, but I still want to go to the gym. So you know what I do? I don't go to the gym. I will just pick some dumbbells, turn on TV, put on something like an HBO, some one-hour program or something, and I will just sit there and I will do curls for like 10 sets of 10 or 10 sets of 20. And I'm done. The thing is, is that I got my workout done. So exercise doesn't have to be difficult. If you want to do, if you only want to have big arms and you want to do curls every single day, then do it. Seriously, just do it. You're like, well, I'm going to overtrain. Yeah, you're going to overtrain, but your body will, well, you'll learn after a while you're overtraining, you'll compensate for it. But if you want to do abs every single workout, do abs every single workout. If you don't work your legs, which I think is a big mistake, and you only want to work your upper body, that's fine. The bottom line is, is at least you're working out. At least you're doing something. Like my, like my wife, she doesn't really have to exercise much, but she, you know, I want her to get a little bit stronger, especially with her stabilizing muscles. So I have her do planks a lot. And that's all she does to work those stabilizing muscles and work her core. She'll just plank. If you're one of those ladies that, you know, you just want to have a tight midsection, you don't have to do all these crunches and do all these V-ups and leg raises and all these other exercises. Just make it easy. Just do planks. Put on a good TV show and just plank for 30 seconds, rest, catch your breath, and do it again. Do like 10, do like 10 sets. Don't make working out difficult. You're not a GQ model. You don't need to, it's not your job to look good. You're not going to be the, the next Mr. Universe. You're not competing in the next uh, whatever. I don't know, physique contest. You're a regular person like you and me. Don't overcomplicate things. Pick one exercise a couple times a week and then just do it. 10 sets of 10 or 10 sets of 20. Or even yet, if you even don't want to do any of that stuff, then walk. Walking really has proven to show a lot of benefits. If you always tell yourself, oh, I've been meaning to walk for a long time. I haven't done it. Start. Start doing it. Best time to do it is on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. Just walk. It really does make a difference. So I hope some of these ideas and suggestions will really help you 
to get into shape, to prepare you when it's time to retire. Because you really don't want to retire when you're in horrible shape. It's like life has like beaten you up. You know, you saved and you saved and now you're like 20, 30, 50, 100 pounds overweight because you skipped the gym and then now you retire and then now you have to sit in those little buggies in a wheelchair or walk in a cane and you're only like 50 years old. That's not retirement. That's, that's, that's a crappy life. So if, you're, if you are planning for retirement six months from now, six months, six months from now or six years from now, start now. Start putting the plan together. Invest in yourself. Don't just invest financially, but invest in yourself to make your body better so you can enjoy your future. So I hope that makes a lot of sense, and I hope this was helpful. And thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you in Thailand.